Welcome to the Daily DDT Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Here's your host, Jaden Becker. Pro wrestling events with fans could return to the state of Maryland soon. ESPN gets the rights to the NHL, and I go through the top five pyro entrances in WWE history. I'm Jaden Becker, and this is the Daily DDT Podcast. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite platforms for your morning drive, lunch break, or whenever you need your wrestling fix. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode, and remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Jaden Becker TV. Last night was Impact Wrestling, but before we get into that, let's get into our news. Pro wrestling events with fans could return to the state of Maryland soon. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan has eased some of the state's COVID-19 restrictions, announcing that large indoor venues and outdoor venues can now operate at 50% capacity. While venues are able to run at 50% capacity, coronavirus safety protocols and the mask mandate must be followed according to the Baltimore Sun. The new capacity limits will go into effect Friday at 5 p.m., so coming up this Friday. Uh, Ring of Honor operates out of Maryland and will run their 19th anniversary show later this month from the UMBC Event Center in Baltimore on Friday, March 26th. I wonder if they'll allow fans in for that. And uh, just depending how much and how many tickets that they'll be able to sell for Ring of Honor, it would be pretty fun to see them hold an actual event uh, with fans there. And I'm five hours away right now from Baltimore, uh, so maybe I'll make my way over to UMBC and uh, Maryland and and find my way uh, into a Ring of Honor event, bring a couple friends. Why not? Why not? You know, why not? ESPN gets the rights to the NHL. ESPN is believed to have reached a seven-year deal to become one of the league's media partners starting next season, according to multiple league and industry sources. There was no confirmation from the NHL on an agreement that is expected to see ESPN get the rights to broadcast four Stanley Cup finals between 2022 and 2028, plus streaming rights for Disney. Financial terms of the deal weren't immediately available, nor was it clear which other media company would split the package with ESPN. So uh, I'm telling you all this. This is not a hockey podcast. This is not a ESPN podcast. This is a pro wrestling podcast, the best daily pro wrestling podcast out there. And, uh, Jane, why are you telling me about NHL? I don't need to know about this. Well, why does this matter for pro wrestling? NBC previously owned the rights to the NHL, uh, and NBC Sports Network is currently being planned to end after 2021, meaning that if NBC continued to hold the rights to the NHL, Wednesday Night Hockey would boot NXT out of their time slot, thus ending the Wednesday Night Wars. That was one of the main reasons why Tuesday Night NXT has been rumored about for, uh, I believe, a week now, and uh, we keep on asking ourselves, well, is Tuesday night going to happen for NXT? Will they stay on Wednesday nights? Will the Wednesday night wars continue? Well, I think this is actually a great thing for NXT for them to stay on Wednesday night, given the fact that NBC will no longer have to air, they, they won't be able to air the NHL uh, on because they don't have the rights anymore. ESPN now owns those rights. So, 
this could be a great thing for NXT for them to be able to continue the war. Maybe not a great thing for NXT, let me rephrase that. This would be a great thing for the fans as we will continue to see this war going forward and the ratings war between NXT and AEW continue. And ESPN might have just saved that in a sense for them making this deal. Uh, there's no money uh, involved in the deal yet. At least, obviously, there's money involved, but it hasn't been said yet. But we will definitely see uh, how that all pans out. But huge for pro wrestling now that NHL is uh, under the ESPN banner uh, next season. Really going to be uh, a huge, huge thing for pro wrestling if uh, NXT does stay on Wednesday nights and don't move over to Tuesday nights. Speaking of Tuesday nights, last night was Impact Wrestling. And a good show at that with a huge surprise ending, which we'll definitely get into. But to start, Tasha Steele with Kira Hogan versus Jazz with Jordan Grace. Good back and forth wrestling early on with some trash talking as well. Jazz finds her way in control due to her veteran prowess. Hogan steps on the ring apron to distract but fails at the Grace, pulls her off. An STF by Jazz gives her the... Victory. I love the show opening with a women's match. I'm always excited for that. And now I'm even more excited for their tag team match coming this Saturday on Sac- Sacrifice. So Jazz and Jordan Hogan, jo- excuse me, Jordan Grace taking on Steels and Kira Hogan. Uh, that should be a really, really fun match. And uh, we definitely could see new knockouts tag team champions. But uh, we, we really don't know what they're doing with that division as it stands right now. It's not as bad as WWE's, but... Uh, 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 I believe there's definitely depth there, but I would like to see more of it and just more tag team matches in general from the women's division there as well. Uh, but I can't really complain. They opened the show with the women's match, which uh, we rarely see in the WWE and AEW. So for them to do that there, really, really nice. Trey Miguel backstage. Uh, he finds Sam Beal. Sam Beal, if you remember, last week Sam Beal was confronted by Sammy Callahan, and Sammy Callahan has brainwashed Sam Beal. Uh, in a way that uh, uh, gaslighting Sam Beal in a way thinking that he has a ton of potential in the world, which he probably does, but he has he has the passion, he has the spirit, everything that Trey Miguel doesn't have. Uh, Sam Beal challenges Trey Miguel to a match later in the night, and he accepts, so we'll see that later on. Rahit Raju and She-Ra versus James Storm and Chris Sabin. She-Ra pissed before the match as Storm threw a beer at him. Uh, the most animated we've ever seen She-Ra emotionally, so I thought that was pretty nice. She-Ra tags himself in by slapping the chest of Raju. Uh, I thought this was a fun spot and it should be done more often because Raju s- s- sold the chest slap. There, so if your tag team partners, if the tag teams are angry at each other, and the big man slaps the chest, or slaps the back of uh, their tag team partner, and it's like a real damaging move. I thought that that would be really a nice spot to add in more often in other places. Storm enters on a hot tag and dominates. Shira gets involved in the match, stopping Raju's progress, and Saban connects with a cradle shot to pick up the victory. Uh, I like the odd decision there uh, for. Shira and Raju. Uh, it was a little bit of a dissension there, and later in the show, they had a confrontation uh, backstage as well. So uh, there's some something there, something brewing between Raju and Shira. Shira saying that he doesn't owe Raju anything. So uh, obviously, some conflict there, and uh, James and uh, Sabin both doing a good job as well uh, in their uh, growing tag team birth, if you will. Violent by Design segment. Uh, Storm and Sabin get involved in this uh, Violent by Design business. Uh, Diener attacks Storm and Sabin even though they were defending Diener. So 
the, the whole situation went down where uh, Diener, obviously last week we saw him get beat up uh, backstage by uh, Violent by Design because he failed them. And now with Storm and Saban trying to help him out, Diener brainwashed so much that he ends up attacking Storm and Saban to protect Violent by Design's honor. Uh, Diener not turning his back on Violet by Design anytime soon. I definitely don't see that. Uh, I think he's going to let this run for quite some bit. And uh, just, just don't get it twisted. Don't get it twisted right now as if the Violet by Design stuff is something that's going to be uh, short-lived, if you will. I think this is going to be going on for quite some time. Throughout the summer, probably see something happen in the winter, if you will. Brian Myers and Demore backstage. Uh, Scott Demore, that is. Myers asking Scott Demore to fire Eddie Edwards after all the paperwork and legality uh, stuff that he brought up last week. Um, it's going to end up being Myers versus Eddie Edwards in a hold harmless match, which is just a no DQ match, uh, which is, I guess it's fine to see a no DQ match. I feel like we already saw, uh, we, we already seen Eddie Edwards in a no DQ match or a no DQ type match with uh, Sammy Callahan. Uh, was a hard to kill. And now for him to be another one again, it's kind of repetitive, but Brian Myers now involved in this storyline. Nice to see Myers involved. Trey Miguel versus Sam Beal. We talked about this earlier. Sam Beal comes out with Sammy Callahan. Uh, The match uh, was made early on the night, as I mentioned. Callahan cuts a promo, now uh, confirming that uh, Beal is under his uh, protege or under his wing. Beal looks great with awesome hair and awesome size, but Miguel wins in a squash match, tapping out Beal as he looks directly at Callahan. As Miguel tries to attack Callahan after the match, Callahan teleports to the ring in some teleport sense where he does with his phone, whatever, whatever, whatever. Nice editing. Well, nice being a, a kind term for impact wrestling. Uh, Callahan teleports to the ring and hits a package pile driver onto Beal, of all people. And Callahan, uh, it still feels weird to me. But, uh, if Impact just did a better job with their production value, I feel like Callahan would get over a little bit more for me. But for whatever reason, I just don't like all the gimmicky stuff with him teleporting from place to place because it just doesn't make sense in any grand scheme of thing. And I guess it's like a technology thing. But when I think of teleportation, I think of it more as a mysticism or a mystic type of vibe and I just don't get that from him obviously not because his whole thing is with the technology it just makes no sense to me that he has gained the power of teleportation it's just a little confusing it's just a little confusing but I am excited for the match between uh, Trey Miguel and Sammy Callahan coming at at some point you have to presume it's going to come at some point Uh, whether that is at sacrifice or it's probably coming at sacrifice. I'd have to relook at the card at this point. Uh, AEW paid ad. Uh, Tony Khan still in the heart glasses from Valentine's Day. Gotta love it. Uh, this was pretty much an AEW review of Revolution with a picture slideshow because they didn't want to show videos for it. Obviously, it was a pay-per-view and they're still trying to sell the replay. So they showed a slideshow of pictures. Uh, they do note what happened with the exploding ring and how that was kind of a botch and not a botch in a sense that's how it was planned out but they try to cover it up saying that Kenny Omega can't build an exploding ring it's honestly AEW couldn't build an exploding ring so it was a shame there in kayfabe 
they had to do what they had to do to try and cover it up. But I honestly think that makes it a little bit worse. They should just apologize and said, I will do better next time and deliver. I know not for another death match, but in another another sense of the word, where they bring back a match type and they really deliver in that sense. Uh, no mention of Ethan Page in this paid ad, which makes me believe there might be some legitimate bad blood between Impact and Ethan Page, and deservingly so, given how Ethan Page was treated, especially after, well, during Hard to Kill and what that Karate Kid and Karate Man and Ethan Page segment looked like. That was so so bad like that that knocked that show for me a, a couple ticks because it, it was just such a bad segment and so poorly edited and like you know we i'd I nitpick on on impact wrestling editing stuff and you know especially since a pre-recorded show but that looked like my little brother could have made that better that's how poorly that that was it was just terrible terrible so ethan page i feel like there is some still brewing bad blood between Impact and himself, and, and deservingly so, deservingly so. The Good Brothers and Finju sign a contract for Sacrifice. This contract is for the Impact Tag Team Championships. Uh, Demore asked both teams to sign the contract and said both teams drink and drink and drink. Uh, they all sign, but Finjuice throws their final drink in the face of the Good Brothers and they brawl out back backstage. I'm surprised that the match at Sacrifice isn't a drinking contest match because that seems to be their only reason why they're feuding. Uh, I think they could have built this a little bit differently, just saying... Uh, they. Now, I wouldn't call it an intruder angle because now it's no longer intruder sense when it comes down to Impact Wrestling and New Japan. They're all everyone's working together, AEW, Impact, New Japan, to try to take down WWE in a sense. That that's the kind of direction that the war is going in. And I get it and I enjoy it, but what I need to see is something better than a drinking angle to make me interested in this match. Uh, I guess a lot of people are interested in this match just based off the name value. I mean, the Good Brothers just being in a match in general uh, for Impact Wrestling just does sell tickets and does, well, I guess no tickets to sell, but does uh, get pay-per-view buys. So uh, I think it, either way, this match sort of wrote itself, but the drinking angle, I just thought was a little, I wouldn't say off-putting, but just a little, it just wasn't anything for me. It didn't add to the story for me. When it came to this drinking angle, but the the young the young boy stuff, the stuff where uh, talking about how Finn Juice it used to be their their like servants, if you will, in Japan carrying their bags and all the stuff like that. I did like that angle, and I felt like if they rode with that a little bit more instead of the drinking stuff, it would have built it up a little bit better for me. But uh, either way, I'm excited for the match. I just wasn't so pleased with the build. Next match: Ace Austin with Madman Fulton versus Chris Bay. Ace Austin uh, hops out of the ring right before the match starts and gets uh, a chair telling Fulton to sit in the chair ringside throughout the whole match, uh, which was really, really funny to see as the match went on. Back and forth action early on. Action falls outside right in front of Fulton, and figuratively, he's chained to the chair as Bay taunts right in front of him. You could see Fulton's face wants to attack Chris Bay, but can't because Ace Austin told him not to. Ace Austin and Chris Bay both take a really, really nasty bump falling onto the outside. Looked like Ace Austin slipped off of Chris Bay's shoulders instead of being thrown onto the apron, and it looked really like a nasty, nasty spot that I wouldn't want anybody to take. Chris Bay connects with a vertebraker, but Austin kicks out. Fulton stands up from his chair to stop Bay on the outside. The distraction helps Austin regain control. 
TJP enters. TJP, the person that Ace Austin is facing at Sacrifice coming up this Saturday. TJP, the current X Division champion. TJP, he enters and takes a seat of his own, but is chased away by Fulton. The distraction allows Bay to connect with the Art of Finesse and picks up the victory. And not only is that victory a victory, it's a huge, huge victory for Chris Bay. As I think, he, well, he will be the next challenger for the X Division title, whether Ace Austin holds it or TJP does. Uh, Chris Bay, I think he's on some next level stuff and uh, deserves to be pushed at least towards the main event. Uh, well, he already ha had a main event moment with uh, Rich Swan, but at least a mid card uh, spotlight for the X Division title. I feel like he can definitely be a good fit for that for Impact Wrestling. Next match, ODB versus Susan. Uh, the match was made earlier in the night as Susan really wanted a match against ODB one-on-one -on -one with no one ringside. ODB dominant early on, Bronco Buster spot, which is fun to see. S Susan goes for a low blow on ODB. I thought that was pretty funny uh, given, you know, a low blow doesn't work uh, in a women's match. A dirty dozen from ODB, but Susan stays in the match. Susan dumps ODB out of the ring and then dumps a personal beverage that ODB was holding, uh, well, had ringside, which was, uh, you know, alcoholic beverage. Uh, ODB picks up the win, but is sh shortly after attacked by Perrazzo and Kimberly as they were waiting for uh, Susan to either win or lose. Grace and Jazz enter to save but fail as Kira Hogan and Tasha Seals uh, enter. We get our weekly grouping of Impact's women talent, at least their top stars. It seems like every week we get to see uh, the, these group of women be in the same ring at the same time. At least it's been like that for the past few weeks. I'm hoping after Sacrifice we don't get to see these group of women together. It's not that they're not great together. It's just the fact that we see it so much and so often that we'd like to switch it up a little bit. Moving on to uh, the ODB Susan match was technically the main event, so not only was the show headlined and started the show with a women's match, but it was also main evented by a women's match. Uh, a lot of people don't recognize that, but that's huge for Impact Wrestling, and they should continue to do that. And a lot of promotions should continue to do that as well. Moose calls out Scott Demore for the announcement that they've been hinting about uh, throughout the night. Scott Demore enters and invites Rich Swan to come to the ring as well. The TNA World Title that Moose holds. Will will also be on the line with the winner-take-all in, in a title unification match, thus putting the TNA world title uh, on the same level, and not the same level, they're unifying that with the Impact World Championship. Uh, I wonder what they, they probably, they're obviously they're going to hold the the Impact title going forward, given that it's Impact Wrestling, not TNA anymore. But I wonder if they will hold both titles at the same time, whoever the winner may be. And now, the biggest news of the night, Winner will face Kenny Omega at Rebellion, title versus title. So, whoever wins this match here, whether it is Rich Swan or whether it is Moose, they will face Kenny Omega at Rebellion. I can't believe it. I absolutely can't believe it. The Forbidden Door has not only been opened, but blown off the hinges. I couldn't be more happy. And what an exciting time it is for us to be pro wrestling fans we get to see the aw impact connection once again we saw it at hard to kill and we saw how well moose did 
in that match, a match that he wasn't even supposed to be in, stole the spotlight in a great way for himself and elevated that match to the next level, something that I did not expect, and I'm glad that he did. He seized the moment, and I've talked about this a couple of times on this podcast, but I feel like every time I talk about Moose, I have to bring it up. Talk about seizing the moment. You have that one opportunity. You get to be on one of the biggest stage Impact Wrestling had to offer, uh, especially with AEW becoming involved and Kenny Omega being there. You got to be on that stage, and he took every single advantage of it a match that he wasn't even supposed to be in and he was my favorite part of it and uh, i really hope that it becomes omega moose i i'm hoping omega moose but i i think i'll talk about in the prediction show later down the week that i think it might be swan but i'm hoping for for moose and uh we'll, we'll see where it goes from here and i'll definitely talk about it a little bit more in depth when we get to our prediction show Later in the week, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. All right? <laughs> stick, it, stick with us. We're going to take a quick break, and but we're going to talk about the top five pyro entrances in WWE history. So stick with us right here on the Daily DDT Podcast. On this day in pro wrestling history, on March 10th, 1997, WWF presented Raw is War. The 2000th episode of the series originally known as Monday Night Raw bore little resemblance to the past. Besides the name change and new logo, the rebranding came with a brand new set and show opening pyrotechnics. This was the first episode of Raw with Vince Russo as its head writer. The content was more edgier with less of an emphasis on matches and a greater emphasis on storytelling like promos, vignettes, swerves, all the type of stuff that we knew in the Attitude Era to be. Uh, this move would lead Raw to not just surpassing WCW Nitro in the ratings just over a year later, but by 1999, becoming the most watched weekly show in the history of cable television. And uh, today's the day where it all started, you know. Uh, late, going on a little bit later in the in the week, you're going to want to pay attention to more of these on, the, on these days in pro wrestling because I'm going to be talking about uh, last year on this day because we're getting to some of the first times that they ever hold a show out of the Performance Center, the first time where there's no fans in attendance for a major show like SmackDown, and just going through the first steps of trying to hold professional wrestling during COVID. It's just the way it was, and I definitely will be talking about that. But one of the main reasons why you guys are all here, title of the podcast, Top 5 Pyro Entrances of All Time. And uh, we're going to start this list off strong. Uh, I do have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, mentions. I'm going to talk about uh, Shawn Michaels. Uh, he had great pyrotechnics. I can't put him in the top five. And I know you might be yelling at me for that, but I just just couldn't put him in there because I, I have more of a, an emotional c- connection to a couple of other uh, names on this list. But Shawn Michaels definitely had to be an honorable mention. And uh, Randy Orton's original pyrotechnics with the sparkles falling down behind him. I thought that was a really, really nice touch, especially in the beginning of his career. I'm going to have to put him on the honorable mentions and also have to put Edge as well on the honorable mentions list as well. I know, I know. And be like, you must be wondering who's on this list of those three on the honorable mentions. Well, I think I have a pretty stacked list and you're going to have to listen to it. But uh, Edge, uh, I got to put him there as well on the honorable mentions. Just couldn't sneak on for me, even though I do hold a... He's at number six for me, Edge. He, He holds a deep, deep place in my heart. But at number five... Starting off this list strong, going with Batista. What an entrance he had throughout all of his career, especially around 
uh, WrestleMania 23 going up against The Undertaker with the World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Uh, the machine guns that he would do with the fireworks going off behind him and that big boom at the end as he pumped his shoulder and his fist. That everything all aligned perfectly and it really suited Batista very, very well. And looking at that entrance as an overall whole, that I Walk Alone song that he had as his entrance music, couldn't have picked a better song for Batista either, as he was sort of that lone soldier after Evolution. And uh, at events, that's pyro. You could just feel in your chest. You could feel that exploding. Boom, 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 boom. Like a machine gun truly hitting you. And as a kid, uh, his entrance embodied all of my wrestling entrances. If I ever had to do a professional wrestling entrance, that he w- I would do the Batista. Because that, that one was an easier one to do. And along with that, all you really had to do was squat and shake your fist really fast and pretend fireworks going off behind you. So for me as a kid, I remember going to like a WrestleMania All Access as a kid. My mom would take me and uh, they, you got to do an entrance. They gave you a belt. I'm like, you know what? I'm doing the Batista entrance and I did it. And uh, I think it worked out pretty well as a kid. Well, I had to be like eight or nine years old to even remember all this. But uh, yeah, the Batista at number five. Number four, I'm going with Goldberg here. I know I preface this as uh, it's going to be more WWE based, these pyro entrances. I know in New Japan they go absolutely crazy with them, but I couldn't tell you much about New Japan personally. I don't watch a lot of New Japan and I don't really cover it as much here on this podcast. I do give you the news of it, but uh, I, I don't cover it as much. But uh, sticking with the list here, number four, I'm going with Goldberg. And he's literally standing in the pyro. He's standing inside of it. As the fireworks go around him, the sparkles hitting off his chest, hitting off his head, his whole body just completely engulfed in it. And once the pyro finishes, he breathes in the smoke and blows it out. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be the most jaded fan. You could have been watching professional wrestling for years and years and years. This could have been your first time ever turning on the channel. And you know that Goldberg, no matter who you are, you know that he is a guy that's above everyone else just because of his entrance. And you can't really say that about a lot of people. Uh, There's probably one more person on this list you can say that about. But even the kicks and punches that he timed with the pyro as well. Not to mention the walk down to the ring as if he's a boxer or a UFC fighter with the camera following him with the security guards walking down to the entrance ramp. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I always have a very, very deep spot in my heart for Goldberg's entrance. Uh, you know, you could talk about Goldberg's career in the WWE, especially in the 2010s and his return. You could talk about that in a different light. But his entrance specifically is is up there with the best of them, up there with the absolute best, best of them. If we're doing an, uh, an entrance list where it's just strictly entrance, he, he, he'd be maybe even a little bit higher. I have him on four in the pyro. He could be even higher. But sticking with, like, strictly pyro... I'm going to have him at four because it is just the sparkles there. You know, not 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 uh, AEW deathmatch sparkles, but uh, they, they, I still hold a, a soft spot in my heart for that entrance. At number three, I'm going with Kane. Four uh, ring posts, all shooting with fire coming out of them. I love the call and response with his arms shooting down and the flames rising up. Uh, the beginning of his entrance was also great with just a huge pop of fire to let everyone know that Kane was coming. And especially 
uh, one of his super entrances, if you will, WrestleMania 21 with the Money in the Bank ladder match. He set all the ladders on fire that were ring, not ringside, but uh, on the top of the entrance ramp. He set them all on fire with his pyro. I love what they did there. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And the fire lasted, I believe, throughout the match. So really, really nice to see. And just, just think about every time you think about Kane, you're thinking about his fire. The one thing that made Kane such a distinguishing character is that once he shot his arms down, no matter if it was in the middle of the match, if it was during his entrance, after he won a match, the ring post would shoot up with flames. And uh, it, still to this day, I think about that. Uh, I think a lot of impressions of people when they first wa started watching professional wrestling and they figured out oh, how this whole pyro thing works. And then they watch Kane. It's like, oh, that is just special. At number two, I, I'm going with the underrated one here. I might have put this one a little bit too high. I will be honest with you. But number two, I'm going with Chris Jericho. Uh, fireworks shooting up and down the sides of the entrance at one huge firework spot with Jericho standing with his arms out. Uh, what really made this entrance as well is the countdown to the pyro. I think that's what really helps it here. Uh, the pyro isn't super duper spectacular where it's, it, it blows you away, but it's just enough to... It's so such a unique pyro as well where the fireworks are coming on the outside of the entrance so almost shooting into the crowd a little bit to be honest with you and then that one huge pop everyone knows it's Jericho especially after the countdown uh, we're talking about his time in the WWE here not his I think AEW pyro is really bad to be honest with you it's kind of weak sauce for me except a couple guys they have good ones but the ones that just shoot straight up not for me not for me they look like streamers if you will but I'm going to put Chris Jericho on number two uh, I think it, it might be a little bit too high. If I had to redo this list again, I might put a little bit lower. But I'm, I'm also happy with it because uh, it's it's unique to him. And at the same time, uh, it's global, globally recognized as Chris Jericho's pyro with this stuff coming down the sides and then one big pop at the end with him standing there with his arms out shaking, breaking the walls down. At number one, I think it's really tough to beat this one. And it's a mixture of both the pyro and the man himself. The entrance, the music, the lighting, everything. I'm going to go with The Undertaker here. The fire, the lightning, the smoke. In all honesty, his pyro is relatively simple. Which is constant bursts of fireballs coming up as he walked by. One time he got set on fire at Elimination Chamber. We all know that. But... All the smoke that lingered around throughout the beginning of the match also added a nice touch, intentional or not. Uh, it Putting it at, at number one, uh, I know it could be just me buying into the presence of The Undertaker, but at the same time, that's what kind of makes the pyro. You could have a bunch of pomp and circumstance with the pyro as much as you want. You can blow it up. Bad Bunny has pyro, right? But his pyro isn't great because Bad Bunny isn't, the Undertaker, you know? The Undertaker made the pyro, and the pyro also kind of built the Undertaker and his entrance, I wouldn't say his pyro, and his entrance built the Undertaker as we know it today. Uh, I mentioned Goldberg and his entrance and what his entrance meant to him in a way of how it built his character. The Undertaker's entrance almost is his character. You, the, the, the lone gunslinger walking his way down to the ring slowly, ominously, as everything is dark and with the purple smoky haze with fire shooting up behind him. That is The Undertaker. When I envision The Undertaker, I don't, imagine, I don't envision him in the ring working in that sense. I envision him 
uh, doing his entrance, walking into the ring, taking off his hat, taking off his jacket. That When I think about The Undertaker, that's what I think about. So for me, that's what makes a great entrance. And his pyro, even though it was, was a little part of it, it was also a, such a huge part of it, given the effect that it built The Undertaker for, it, for him to be. And uh, I really give that a lot of credit. But that's my top five list. Let me know what you think. Let me know if anyone that I left off this list that definitely should be on it. Please, please let me know. Hit me up at Jaden Becker TV, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you can find me. Also, hit up uh, Fan Sided Daily DDT, uh, the the Twitter handle uh, Fan Sided DDT is where you could find them there. A preview for our next episode tonight is AEW and NXT. The Wednesday Night Wars are still going on, but that could change soon as announcements are coming from NXT, but we'll get into that in a little bit. But looking at AEW first, Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks takes on Ray Phoenix of Death Triangle in one-on-one action. Hikaru Shida, Ryo Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa team up to take on Dr. Britt Baker, Makai Ito, and Rebel in a six-woman tag team match. Darby Allen will put his TNT Championship on the line against Scorpio Sky, and the Inner Circle will hold their War Council to announce some changes to the group. Looking over at the WWE and NXT, William Regal to make two major announcements, and uh, they one I think has been released uh, unintentionally, has been spoiled or leaked. I still don't know it. I just see the the headlines when I go through my news search of the day. When I try to find you the best news that I think you need to hear, I do see that there's the spoiler NXT. Uh, you know, a big announcement leaked. I don't click on those because I don't want to know because I'm trying to watch it as a fan as much as you are trying to watch it as a fan. I'm trying to do that same thing for you. But there will be two big announcements and maybe with uh, ESPN signing with NHL, one of the announcements that could have possibly been was that they're moving to Tuesday nights at a certain certain date after WrestleMania. Maybe that changes with ESPN getting the rights to the NHL and now Wednesday nights being open for NBC. Caden uh, Carter looking... Uh, to get payback against Zia Lee. Tony Storm gets a one-on-one opportunity against Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship and the main event, Finn Balor, to defend the NXT Championship against Adam Cole. You do not want to miss that. I think I'm going to give NXT my, my rating for the night, if you will. I'm going to watch that one first. Actually, to be honest with you, I'm DVRing both of them because I'm going to miss the first hour of of uh, pro wrestling tomorrow night. Well, tonight. So... So a little tough, a little tough, but don't worry. I will be with you here on the Daily DDT Podcast. Don't you even worry about it because uh, I'm here for you. I serve you, the fan. Don't don't even worry about it. The best daily professional wrestling podcast out there. Uh, bold statement, hot take. Why not? <laughs> but that's all for me. You can catch this podcast on all your favorite providers. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. And remember, you can ask your smart device to play the Daily DDT Podcast. If you like content like this, check out our writers at DailyDDT.com. And if you want to hear more from me, give me a follow on Twitter and Instagram at JadenBeckerTV. I'll see you tomorrow with another episode of the Daily DDT Podcast.